Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Kirk Gray. And this is Fred Shankleberg. You know, I, I did my webinar. I, I was recording my web or broadcasting a webinar yesterday. Uh-huh. And I started with Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, wait a second. <laughs> Wrong show. Let me rewind. <laughs> but you were speaking of reliability. I was, is which is yeah. you know, close to the topic. But it was it was so accustomed to starting off the show. We've been recording a bunch. And I was like, ah. Uh, yeah. So, hey, I got a question for you, though. Yes, sir. Do you like learning new stuff, or do you like learning about stuff you already know about? I like learning new stuff, and I like learning. I like being challenged on new stuff too. I like. I like questioning it, and um, so I know, can send you over some parts count prediction stuff. You yeah, can rip that yeah. out for me. Yeah, <laughs> I can pretty much blurt why that's not going to help you in reliability any day. Uh, very rarely. Okay. Let's say it has very little help. <laughs> At least, you know, something's broken and how many are broken. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. So my, my thought is, is that, um, um, you know, we, you and I have had time over the decades to learn all kinds of stuff from all kinds of people Absolutely. and books and training and, and seminars and experience and workshops and on and on and on. And we have very different trails to oh, get yeah. to those points. And, you know, um, I got an engineering degree. You got, uh, I think, physics mm-hmm. and uh, statistics. Yep. And those really well uh, went well with uh, what was the current beliefs in reliability back then still have the best beliefs is you need to understand how things work and don't work you know it's right my opinion but and i was doing field service work i mean after or before i got my engineering degree i was doing field service work on i&m planners and high vacuum systems and very complex (laughs) every time you tell me about yeah background with this amazing equipment and now you're most of the time you spend underneath a, a slot or a, not a slot pinball machine, but machine. a pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If I'm repairing anything, yeah, it's probably a pinball machine. But um, yeah, we, we, uh, I came from a, a background of, of a field service experience on complex uh, electromechanical, electronic uh, systems, uh, along with, you know, high vacuum. You don't get to study that in school use, but um then, you know, so I was repairing and looking at field failures or the causes of field failures in these things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, worked in a calibration lab also at one time. So I was repairing uh, measurement instruments, yeah. uh, oscilloscopes and things like that. And, and I always saw, you know, things like uh, broken connectors or loose uh, cracked solder joint or somebody had damaged something by yeah. Dropping it, yep. and and that was to me what my orientation was that all these had assignable causes that were not um, would not be considered that they'd been used up or worn out like a tire uh, on a road you mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. was consumed by its life or it had its life materials consumed so that you know I never had that orientation but then when I got um, and and really I uh, Got a job at Storage Technology, which is gone, <laughs> and all the buildings are gone here in Louisville. But 
uh, that's where I met a, a gentleman named Dr. Greg Hobbs, who had a, and he was not a reliability engineer. He it was interesting. He wasn't uh, ever studied. He never studied the uh, certified reliability engineering uh, book of knowledge. To my knowledge, mm -hmm. in fact, he never really knew the concepts of too much about the concepts of a mill handbook 217 or uh you know fides or any of those things he never really looked at that um and but he was a he had a phd in structural dynamics and so he had an understanding of how fatigue of materials and you know what he saw was that they were coddling for the most part people were coddling their electronics when it came to testing and not really inducing uh significant fatigue damage or or finding the strength of a product and finding its weaknesses which was to me went completely parallel with what my experience was in the field and in the calibration lab and every place else that most of the things that went wrong were either customer induced misuse or uh Poor uh, manufacturing quality, uh, a cold solder joint, uh, a connector that wasn't uh, plugged in. But then I got into the you know certified reliability engineering world or looked at it from the outside, and I thought, wow, these it just you know didn't fit. I couldn't see how because they were talking about the wear out or the end of life of something or it's, you know, the bathtub curve, how things start to fail when they get too old. <laughs> like, like, like me. Like me. <laughs> As humans do. And that's yeah. what it was based on is the, you know, uh, health insurance or actuarial curve, life, human life. So, you know, we, we use the term infant mortality it's, it's, which is a misnomer. It's, yeah. you know, just really weak uh, failure, uh, uh, latent defect, yeah. but, but we never, you know, and, and you look around, you look at all the electronics that are obsolete in your life and they, they all have plenty of, the components have plenty of life in them. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking this, you know, and you mentioned my background in statistics. So I'm going, I'm taking all these classes for a master's in statistics. Right. And at some point in the place I worked, we had a lot of training from different people, about uh, control charts. So that was statistics. That's kind of what got me interested in. And we had, you know, different problem solving. We did failure analysis. We did, but I was, we were in a factory and we were keeping our equipment running and trying to improve the quality of the products we're making and we're running design of experiments. We're doing all that stuff. And so then I reinforced that with just getting more statistics knowledge and, and then got to practice it and play with it all the time. And, and, and then it was kind of like I started looking for positions or my resume said, this is the areas that I'm good at. So I ended up getting more tasks using statistics, you know, and I sat for the, the, the CRE, which has got its fair share of statistics in it. And it was a breeze <laughs> for me because yeah. that's what I did all the time. Yeah, exactly. You but, knew it, that stuff. but I knew that stuff. And so, you know, this halt stuff was like, I get that. I, my physics background says, Yeah. I can, you know, there's going to be stuff that that is going to reveal that we just don't see otherwise. And, but we, I think part of it is, is that our, our, and we've talked since the start of this podcast about some of our differences in thinking through about reliability right. engineering. Right. But some of that is based on our initial experiences and the people we happen to run across and the things sure. we did. Now, if sure. Greg would have been a statistician, 
and he happened to be in, in, you know, influential in creating really cool products like he is or was with the halt stuff he was doing. But mm, if it happened to be yeah. statistics and he was a marvel at doing, getting good products out the door that, that worked and all that good stuff, would you have become a statistician? Yeah, if if, if that if, <laughs> if if I had seen the results like I saw with Greg's right. uh, methodologies, if I'd seen that, and I still have yet to see it, okay, I have to say, I've never seen somebody say, you know, they've they've guessed at about something in the future, but they've never demonstrated that was an actual weakness to me right. before it got to the field, right. before it got to the without customer. getting into our, you right. know, but part well, of it I, is. Let me ask you a question, Fred. Right. When did you start? When was your first investigation? When was your first failure analysis where you got to go into the physics or get down to the the root cause and find out whether it was a manufacturing error or design flaw or something like that? When I was a, I was a shift supervisor in the late 80s. In, a, HP? No, at Raychem. At, at, Raychem, okay. Yeah. No, it was on a factory floor and I was a shift supervisor and um, I got assigned to sort out what this issue was and it turned out that i mean we we made uh, heating cables you know okay and the the variability of the material coming in was such that we would have batches that would just be on the border you know in our measurement system so it, it ended up right. being the products got to the field because it was the weirdest thing it was we had <laughs> we have two test carts yeah, in the in the final QA lab where they say, "Yep, good," or put a label on it and ship it or right. whatever. Right. One of them had, and it was measuring resistivity in this okay. in these products. And so one of them had a four point contact probe, which yeah. by design it, uh, excludes the contact resistance of the probe touching the the leads. Right. And the the cart across the hall from it um, had that four point probe traded out for a two-point probe. So depending on how firmly you connected it, you would get a different amount of contact resistance. Mm -hmm. in it. And that was mm -hmm. enough to mm -hmm. shift it. The, the measurement error then became significant. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, it was, you know, doing the problem solving and failure analysis and, and recognizing that it was due to the variability of the product that was gotten in the field and drifted out of spec pretty quickly it's yeah. like, well, how did this come from? And it ended up getting all the way back to, you know, and I had some electrical engineering in college. So I, I was like, yeah. oh, I know the difference between a two point probe and a four point probe and, right. you know, doing that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. But it was the, there's so many things that based on my college education and background and all the training I've gotten in the organizations I've worked in yeah. that, it's a combination of it just reinforces, you know, kind of my worldview of right. how things work and my experience in that factory and things like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And and then other times it's, you know, my first question to you is you like to learn new stuff. And I, yeah, I love learning new stuff, but I tend to use the ones that coincide with the way I think it should be done anyway. Right. You know, well, so, what you think is the most effective way of getting the right answer, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or okay. setting up a process that would be successful or doing whatever. Right. The hard part is, is that as you, is you, 
sit back and, and, and I used to do this more rigorously. I remember at HP, we used to have to write a training plan. Our, our professional development right. goals for the year is kind of a annual thing we would do. And, and it was always, well, what do I want to learn? And usually it was doubling down and stuff that I was already good at because mm -hmm. I, I knew it. I knew I didn't, it wasn't hard to learn a new language for a different technique or a different process or a different, you know, tool or whatever. Right. Um, but I also have learned the, and it's kind of the hard way where some problems, you just have to have exposure to different ways of looking at things. You know, so spending a whole bunch of time with material scientists one year, I learned an amazing amount of stuff that, right. You know, why is some polymers behave the way they do versus others don't, right. or why it is, you know, but it, right, it, all the material science, like you know, when we change from lead solder to lead free, mm -hmm. how that changed the physics of the solder joint, right? And what to look for, yeah. inner metallics, and all that. Yeah, but and that and that's to me that's down to the root cause. But you know, I don't. People think I I have you know no. There's no value in statistics. No, I think you just pointed one out in the in the heating uh, cables or whatever that, and and Ed W Deming uh, or. W. Ed Deming uh, was great at, at showing statistical variations and how you could monitor something before mm -hmm. it went out of control. And if you made all the parts well, you know, Six Sigma, uh, well within the spec, you'd have a reliable product. Yeah. And if all your processes were. So there's no question that that is a very important part of, uh, part of the control of manufacturing processes. The problem is, is there's so many levels of um, supply chain and epoxies uh, going into encapsulants <laughs> and things like that. I mean, it's, uh, and, and, and you, it's a, it's a very complex system for, for any uh, modern electronic system or a sub, you know, a, a printer or anything like that, which you worked on. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the statistics of like you know you could you could easily model a wear out of a rubber wheel or a gear or the consumption of material in that thing. Well, I could also easily model the diffusion of a plasticizer on a, on a the pick roller that kicks a piece right. of paper up into it right. if yeah. we knew it existed. <laughs> if we knew that was exactly. something that was going to cause a problem, right. there's all kinds of issues and, yeah. and, with that. And you look back at a big problem with that, yeah. picking out the paper and they had to send out, I got one of those little kits that roughed up the rubber. Yeah. Again. Yeah. No, that was, that was the weirdest thing. And, and no, none of the testing that were being done, you know, running thousands of sheets of paper through it. it and I've told the story before. Yeah. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah, about almost a month ago, I got a, a call or a question that I talked to uh, Phil, Philip Sage about on a podcast. Uh -huh. And it was, the question basically was, um, is there a resource that lists all of the failure mechanisms so I can, you know, for <laughs> all the mechanisms for these materials and components and everything else? And I said, you know, no, not really. Nope. <laughs> um, that would be kind of cool to have. That's right. And it it's never ending. And I, no. I would, and since then I've been thinking about well, the hard part is that all too often, I mean, a really gifted failure analyst doesn't do this. But the example I see way too often with way too many engineers and especially managers, I'm gonna rag on managers, 
is that something fails and they'll immediately assume the, the supplier did something wrong. Right. right. Immediately. Right. And, and it had nothing to do with their That's really right. improperly designed circuitry that just blows up this component. It just happened to be a victim in the way of your idiot design. Right. And, right. But they're going to blame the supplier and go yell at them a bunch, make themselves feel better. And I was yeah. like, come on. You just, and I've told you the story is that yeah. I send a pro, I, I get a product back and I send it and I had two of them. So, and I was recommended send one to the supplier and one mm-hmm. to our FA lab in, in house. And I called the supplier up saying, Hey, I got this part, you know, this it's on a board we didn't touch it or remove it or anything, but we've isolated it. We think it's this part that's causing the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I need, you know, who do I send it to kind of stuff? Oh, I already know the problem. It's ESD. It's always ESD. <laughs> I'm like, really? You haven't even seen it yet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, there's rat bites out of it. You know, I don't think that's ESD. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty right. powerful thing that's chewing on your epoxy here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's hard. It's, I, I can understand the component suppliers and hey, you know, this thing's blown up. I don't know how it happened. You might've had a, uh, lightning transient. Strike, you yeah, know. you might have a lightning strike. You may have a transient. You may have, you know, somebody was handling the board wrong and caused that. You know, we'll just tell you it's blown up, and that's kind of you know electrical overstress or yeah. Yeah, something it like that. Looks it's like it typical, doesn't work. I've had right, that come right. back. I send them the whole thing, and we talk about it on the phone. <laughs> oh, we'll get it in our lab. We'll do this detail, and I get a ten-page report that has pictures of it and circles and arrows and diagrams and all that good stuff on it, and it says, well, it doesn't work. We don't know why. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> You know, that's the blame game that happens with most reliability mistakes and failures yep. is uh, and that's why, again, our field is so held back as we can't share. And people are very protective when they make mistakes. They don't want to, you know, like the guy that realized in the ignition switch in the GM yeah. car and and it and he changed the uh, force for it to um, the tent force. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't document. He didn't document that. Didn't change the part number. Didn't do anything. So Ford had no record of when that change happened that caused uh, the airbags not to uh, deploy in certain crashes, or because that ignition switch turned backwards, and when it was off in the ACC position, it did not. Uh, you could not have the airbags. They were not um, energized. Engaged. Yeah. Energized. Yeah. So anyway. So. So what I see is, you know, this this is this is why it's kind of a for certain things like wear out and mechanical parts. Yeah, you're going to have to replace it. Gears, grease, bearings, a lot of that you can do from uh, a materials analysis, and and you do have to wear out. Uh, you do have to worry about. Right. No, 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 but that, but that, know, but we've talked about this a bunch of times. What I want to get back to is, is you know, your early on experiences and 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 getting right. into halt and really buying into that and and using it effectively in so many situations. Or seeing its value, yeah, yeah, okay. and doing that. And but likewise, I you know kind of grew up on the stat side of stuff and have right. great experiences with it. Right, but it's but we both enjoy. And, material science we enjoy the the sleuthing you know the detective work of the the csi episodes about failure analysis we enjoy all that stuff right and we both agree that you can't just use one tool for all of it okay no no but we also and you've run into people that the only thing they know is milham book 217 and that's the right. whole career and it's only right. and they're not interested in anything else or relics or or whatever they whatever you know. they know that but the issue is is 
like this guy that asked this question uh, over a month ago now, is, is there a resource for all the failure mechanisms? Which is a tall order. There's a lot of ways things can fail. And we invent new materials and new products and new systems that fail in unique ways every day. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's the point, Fred. It's not a static system. Yeah, yeah if, if we were still making the things in the 50s, from the same way, we know pretty much how those fail. Well, we did but with we, leaded solder. We had yeah, 50 we knew, years experience right. with it. We, we knew everything complete, about it. And then suddenly we introduced lead-free and, oh, 10 whiskers. Yeah, we don't oh, know those little we, things. That's that bad. Back. Yeah, yeah back. We, we used to do that, that years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, and the inter, intermetallic issues and things like that. Yeah, we had to relearn. All right, so, so that, how, so, do you, how do you start? Structure. Let's say, I mean, this episode's coming out near the end of the year. So it's how do you, how do we advise people that you know, if you want to lay out some professional development for your coming year, how do you do that so that you avoid the confirmation bias that you only do the stuff you like to do or are good at doing? How do you, how do you help people get into the new stuff that's useful for them? Uh, you show them that it is useful. You show them that well, we just told been... them it is, but how do you, well, no, how do, no, what no, do no, we, no, what do they no, actually no. do? Well, they start investigating themselves. They question it too. And they go in and say, um, does this kind of prediction really follow what we've seen in the field in our past products? Well, there's, there's learning from experience is what you're yeah. getting at there. There's that part of it. But, well, yeah. I mean, should they, so, so somebody that, you know, came through the ranks like you have and, and which would, would you recommend they go take a stats course um, or vice versa, a statistician person going to take a material science class or. Well, you know. I think uh, I, I would suggest they go take a failure analysis class and yeah. look at some of the failures that have occurred in real products. You know, CALS I think has some of that uh, available. Yeah. I think there's places that you can go and, and they can review some of the failure mechanisms that they've seen. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. but, you know, we've talked about this a lot too, that this is very sensitive rely reliability failures. So when you're in a company and you have an opportunity, um, and I would do it too, when they were asking me to do a prediction, okay, you know, this pays the bills. I'll, I'll come up with some number, even though it's all to me, doesn't make you know, it it doesn't connect with what I've seen as failures in the field. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, sometimes you do have to do that uh, to appease a boss, you know, a guy that is demanding, you know, this answer. I want to hear the MTBF number for this, this circuit board. Okay, come on. And so um, you, I would say that those people need to broaden, right, do material science maybe, uh, but look at papers or not papers. I can't say that because a lot of it's um, controlled experimentation. But review uh, alternative materials. Look at go to con well conferences. I think people at conferences will. Uh, you, you know, run across all kinds of different ways yeah. people approach problems and solve right. things and so on. So that, I mean, that's a good piece of it. Is conferences and conference papers, um, right? And we've talked about it. I know I have on the show a couple of times. Is, is like you were saying. Is like, well, why did that happen? Ask those questions right. and then hit the, the library. Questions, right? Yeah. The five whys. But then get yeah. into the library or go talk to your senior engineers or people with experience in these fields or that field. Right. But, but also, I highly recommend 
go talk to the finance guys. You know, the marketing people. <laughs> yeah, They're a part of the world that we had to deal with too. So well, in, they can make a business case for improving reliability or not. You right. Know? Yeah. No, there's all kinds of ways to do it. But I think it. the hard part is that just because you had a stats class and you've worked in doing statistics for your first couple of jobs does not limit you of what you can and should be knowing about, know about. And there's material science and failure analysis and, and all the other realms that we get involved in. Um, so I think part of our own personal experiences is we express, you know, that we had our own confirmation biases in the way we approach things, but both have been, I don't know. I think you're one of the most curious people I know, especially when you have <laughs> something fail at your house. And uh, yeah, I'll investigate it. I want to. I'm. I want to know why. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I hope all reliability engineers want to know why, and are going into the past uh, production uh, returns and failures and from sort the field. Them out, yeah, and sort them out. Look at some of them are been you know dropped out of a window. Yeah, <laughs> <Statistically>, <laughs> or off the counter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but the, but the, but the idea is is that you know as you're looking ahead to what you should learn is a part of it is to hone your skills, right? Sharpen the saw or all those other agit right. things we talk about. Getting better at what you do, but right. don't discount. The other industries or other ways of solving problems or other fields of engineering or material science or physics or chemistry. There's lots to be learned in all these different areas that may not be immediately usable, but it gives you an awareness of things that if you're not really familiar with corrosion and all the ways it can occur, you know, go to a conference yeah, that does that right. stuff and, and, Pick sure. up the language. Pick up the – see right. all the cool images. They, they're they fun to go to because they have tons of really cool images. Um, um, and you've got you to go do that. You've got to go understand the, the physics and science and chemistry behind all that yeah. to, to know. And so anyway, as you're looking forward to the new year <laughs> – Go learn something, you know, go learn a bunch of stuff, you know, and, and get better at what you're doing. So if, if you got any, you know, ideas of what you want to learn and you want to uh, let us know or I, questions about what would be useful for your particular circumstance, yeah, let us know. We'd love to chat with you about it. Um, also, if you were kind of running into three whys and got stumped, let us know. <laughs> we've, yeah. we've, we've gone to four, five, and six whys on occasion, so... <laughs> We could we can maybe help in some of those circumstances, but anyway, go out and learn stuff and and guard against confirmation bias as best you can by expanding where you pull information from. In in a, in, a, in it's exciting. It's a little bit more work sometimes, but it's well, it's very rewarding. And don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and dig into a a real circuit board system mechanical gear, whatever. whatever. Go look at it. Go yeah. look at it. Go play with it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you can get in touch with us over at ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. And Kirk and I and the other hosts of the show are available through our LinkedIn uh, contact uh, through LinkedIn or our about pages on the site. So plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us. And as we come up to the end of the year, happy new year to you. Hope everything's going well with you and you're looking forward to the all the stuff you can learn in the, in the upcoming time. Yes. All right. All right, Fred. Thanks again. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation 
If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.